Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Celebration, we're continuing our series called The Letter of James. This is the second last week, um, and it's been, uh, it's been a journey. I love it. It's great going through this book together. And I believe God's gonna do something in your life today. Um, yesterday, we had a great day together at our Better Marriage Conference. How many people were there? Oh, yeah. It was incredible. And uh, it's, it's, it's just wonderful to talk about and work through relational health together as a church. And I think uh, if we wanna see the changes that we wanna see in the world, um, we can get the right politicians in place and the right teachers in place and the right policies in place and all that stuff. Um, but we could still, we could do all those things and still not see the changes we want to see because the changes that we want to see happen in healthiness of the world start in us. And, and so if you're married, it, it starts in you having, being a healthy person, but also having a healthy marriage. And so I just, uh, encourage you to continue. If you were there, if you're married, continue that work that we started yesterday. Um, and, and just as all believers, we, we got to continue to work on our health. Uh, it's so easy to complain about how the world's going and blah, blah, blah. You know what? Let's focus on us. We're going to be healthy people. Healthy people have healthy homes. And healthy people have healthy churches. Amen. And healthy churches are going to create a healthy city. And so we want Edmonton to be better. And, and that starts with, with us being better and knowing our, our Lord more and allowing the Holy Spirit to continue to do His work in us. All right. Have you ever taken a shortcut before that did not work out? It's like this shortcut doubled the work I had to do. This was not a shortcut. You know what I'm talking about? Driving or, or different, different shortcuts besides driving, like getting sucked into one of those infomercials that like, you know, is going to make your life easier. You know those things? And then in the 90s, we had something in my house called the Abflex. Did anybody remember the Abflex? It was like, I don't know if you guys bought it, if you got sucked into the commercial. You did. You did get, oh, somebody stayed up too late and watched something. Credit card was just shaking in the, in the wallet there. You had to do it. But it was this silly little thing. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get fit from this thing. Nobody ever did. And I don't know. I'm sure it's a, it went to Goodwill at some point. Or, or um, my friend, you know, got me into this thing when I was a teenager. Um, it was like a roll-on fat burner. So you just roll it on like deodorant. I was supposed to burn your fat off. And it just like left a rash on us. Like it was like, this shortcut is not working out. Or maybe, maybe renovating. You ever try some shortcuts renovating? Like you watch the YouTube tutorial on how to do it. And I don't know about you, but you know, any floor that I installed, it was like big gaps around the doors. You know what I'm talking about? It's like terrible. Or baking. You ever try and take a shortcut baking? This is why I don't bake. You can take shortcuts making eggs, but baking is like, you've got to stay to the recipe or you're going to have a mess in this house. Um, often cheap shortcuts, um, often shortcuts are a cheap substitute that delay the inevitable hard work that life requires. But sometimes there are shortcuts that end up working out really well. Sometimes there's good shortcuts. We know about the bad ones, but sometimes there's actually good shortcuts. And it's like, you know, you see somebody doing something a certain way and you're just like, oh, you know what? There is a better way to do that. There's actually some good shortcuts out there. Flex Seal is one of those good shortcuts. You ever use Flex Seal? It's amazing. It just seals up anything. Flex Seal is amazing. Or, or um, a couple of winters ago, I got one of those backpack 
snow blowers that you just blow your driveway off. That is a good shortcut over your, your shovel. And in this verse, James is giving us a warning about a good shortcut and a bad shortcut. James wrote these letters to challenge and to change the early church. And I find it encouraging that the early church struggled with the same things that you and I struggle with today. The Bible is alive and, and it's, a, it's a, a work of, it's a, it's a masterpiece that continues um, to, to work in our lives today. It has, you know, it, it's, it's a great work. And James keeps driving this idea home to be patient. Three times in this verse, he's like, be patient, patient about it. You also be patient. He's like, the farmers get it. Go watch them. They understand that they plant the seed and they wait for it to rain. It takes time. And the difference between our lives and the lives of the farmers is that we are waiting for someone, not something. That we're, that are the patience that we must have, we have to understand that in our lifetime, we're, we're probably most likely gonna be waiting our whole lives. We're gonna have to be patient for the changes that we wanna see because nothing is gonna be per per perfect until Jesus comes back. So we're gonna to have to be patient because every little thing that we achieve, we're always gonna to continue to want it more and more, moving more, more ahead. And we're like, why, why are we still you know, feeling uh, like it's still, what we're looking for isn't coming to pass. It's because we're waiting for someone, not something. James is hinting that he's, he, he mentions the return of Christ twice in this passage. He's hinting that nothing will be totally perfect until the day that Jesus returns and creates a new heaven and a new earth. And so what happens from, you know, now until then is that the Spirit of God will continually be working in us to mature us until the day Christ returns. It's a continuation. It's a, it's a work that just keeps going and going and going. And until he comes back, we're going to need to develop patience. We're going to have to think long. We're going to have to focus on the final lap in the race of life. And there's a good shortcut to life. But often we want to take the bad ones. And James is saying, think long, be patient, focus on the final lap in your race of life. Live your life today with the end in mind. Are you thinking about the finish? So often, it's so easy to focus on just what's, what's the next thing. But I think that it, it, what happens is we almost live our life like on a treadmill because we're not thinking about the end in mind, so we're not taking the steps in the, in, that we're supposed to take. What would you change about your life today if you started living with the end in mind? I'll tell you some things that what I thought about as I was writing this this week. If I started living with the end in mind more so, I'd, I'd start to ask myself questions like, is what's bothering me today going to matter in the end? Is this strife really worth the emotional impact it's having on my mind and my heart. Will this problem matter down the road? So we, ask, we gotta ask ourselves, we gotta ask God to give us a long temper, a long fuse to be like him. Psalms 103 says the Lord is slow to anger. Patience makes us like Jesus. Jesus was patient in life and death. Patience is the fruit of God's spirit working in us. So we don't just need a bunch of information. I need to, you know, watch all kinds of YouTube videos about patience and then I'll learn to be patient. You know, we, we can read about it and it not come to pass. It's because we need the work of the indwelling Holy Spirit within us. It's, it's a fruit of the Spirit. 
So as we connect with God's spirit, God's presence, as we get in, in times of prayer every day, we de develop these practices in our life, all of a sudden we'll see patience coming to pass. Because it's not enough to have uh, uh, information about patience. We have to have a transformation and, and understand that God will work in our patience. David waited 15 years after the prophecy of him being king to become king. Abraham waited 25 years for Isaac. Job suffered incredible loss. What did he do? He waited on the Lord. God will work in your patience. Now, how does James tell these Christians to be patient with each other? How does he tell them to be patient with each other? He says, don't grumble against one another. This is a bad shortcut. It's, it, he's saying like, this, this is not the way to go. This is a bad shortcut. Don't grumble with each other. Again, it would seem that the early Christians were struggling with the same things that you and I struggle with today. Because every time you grumble, you step out from under the patient spirit that makes you more like Christ. Grumbling, gossip, whatever it is, it takes you away from what God's trying to give you. And what God is trying to give you as James walks us through this, through this whole book, he's trying to give you maturity, completeness, wholeness. As we talked about the first week, he's trying to make you teleos, to be mature in Christ. That's the Greek word for complete, mature. He's trying to make you teleos, mature in Christ. But every time you grumble, you walk away from that. You're you're, you're now taking the wrong shortcut by grumbling. Because, you know, gossiping about people, it feels good in the moment. It's like, oh, yes, it's my way of getting back at them. You know, talking, talking poorly about people. It's like, yes, it's my, I'm getting back at these people. But it's a cheap substitute for what God's trying to do in your life. Makes you feel good in the moment, but it keeps you immature. Keeps you from teleos. And you know, you know, you'll say those things and you'll walk away from that conversation. And go, ah. Felt good, but also, ah. you know, I stepped back a little bit. It slows the process of discipleship, if you will. I'm, I'm one of the most, I'm so often impatient with so many things in my life. Um, one of the things is, is, is cooking. Cooking. I'm so, I'm, so I got, you know, I got the smoker and I'm always checking to see if the meat's done. It's like, it's taking longer than it's supposed to. It's because I'm always letting the heat out, you know, and, or cooking something in the oven. It's like, it's taking longer than it's supposed to. Well, you keep opening the door and peeking in, like you got to chill out. And, and I think that, that's what we do by grumbling. It's like we're slowing the process of the maturity that God's trying to do in us when we grumble. And instead of seeking wise counsel, we just seek any counsel we want. Whoever's most available. And James is challenging and changing us to be like Jesus. God has given you a better way to live than grumbling about people. James is like, stop talking poorly about each other, guys. If we want to be like Jesus, well, we, we say we want to be like Jesus. And we're like, what, why is it not happening? It's because we're shortcutting it because, by uh, the way we speak about each other. So, so that's the bad shortcut. It's like taking these, these little vices like gossip. It's a, it's a bad shortcut that we're trying to, you know, get what we want. An example of a good shortcut he gives us is the example of suffering and patience. Suffering, he says, as an example of suffering and patience. This is a good shortcut to maturity in Christ. Be an example of suffering and patience. I'll show you what I mean in a second. Our patience is an example of the goodness of Jesus to those around us. As we're patient, we're showing people who God is because God is patient. So as we're patient with people, it's a reminder and it's an example that God is also patient with us. 
but your suffering, that's the good shortcut I wanna talk about this morning. Your suffering is an opportunity for Christ to be formed in you. Suffering is a shortcut to the, what we talked about the first week, the teleos, the, the completeness, the maturity that Christ is trying to do in you. Suffering is an opportunity for your soul to be expanded. It's a shortcut to maturity in Christ. If you wanna lead the world to Jesus, and we ought to wanna lead the world to Jesus, suffer well. Jesus was and is the ultimate example of suffering well. What a great, what a, what a great example he set for us. Rejected in his hometown, misunderstood by religious leaders. He suffered things, betrayed by Judas. In that moment, he calls him friend anyway, and then brutally murdered, and he was innocent. Jesus is the ultimate example of how to suffer well. Every time you suffer, every time you suffer, there's a discipleship opportunity in front of you. Suffering is a, a shortcut to maturity in Christ, so don't shortcut your suffering. Every time you suffer, there's a discipleship opportunity in front of you. There's also bad shortcuts in front of you. Ones that leave you working twice as hard. Ones that leave you just as immature as the day before. But suffering is an opportunity to be near Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to respond to people the way that Jesus did. And these Christians were suffering at the hands of rich people, making them work hard and not paying them fairly for their work. And in this moment, they're experiencing a fraction of what Jesus did in his life on earth. And James is telling them, hey, you wanna be a mature Christian? You wanna lead people to Jesus? You wanna love people well? Be patient. Don't retaliate. Oh, I know, I know that's so tempting to retaliate, but it's a shortcut. It's a bad shortcut. It's the, it's the shortcut that leads you off the wrong path and will have you coming back going, why am I still as immature as I was a year ago? Because you were trying to take shortcuts. And God was saying, stay under. Keep going in your suffering. Don't, don't settle for those cheap little uh, shortcuts. And here's the thing. He's telling us not to retaliate because that's God's job. I think that sometimes we forget that, that God will deal with things accordingly. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's so, so often it's like, man, I, I just, if, they, if I don't deal with this person, then nobody will. I got to get back at them. And what's the, before this verse, uh, James is addressing the rich people who did this to the Christians. And he, he, he actually says this to them. He says, your riches are crying out against you. You treated these people poorly, but guess what? That money you stole from them, it's not going to work out in the end. Whoo. Let God deal with it. It's not our job. I wonder what this might look like, look like in your life today. I wonder the, the examples or maybe the situation that you're going through today. And as you go through this suffering, this is how you become mature in Christ. Suffering, again, is a shortcut to maturity in Christ. Don't shortcut your suffering. Suffering's a good shortcut. We have a savior with scars and we are a people with scars of our own. 
You know, as we're like Jesus, every time we go through things that maybe leave us with scars, it's actually making us in the image of Christ. Isn't that crazy? That we follow a savior. We have a savior who died for us, who came back resurrected, but kept the scars of what happened to him. And every time you go through things, there's often times where you're gonna get those scars that you, you, when you go through that situation. And what happens is it leaves you more like Christ. Those scars, they actually mature you. They help you draw near to him. And when you see them, it's like a reminder of, oh yeah, I went through that and I can go through the next thing too. I won't lose my faith. I won't lose my hope in Christ. I know God is maturing me as I go through whatever it is I'm going through. But you have to find a safe place to process your suffering. Find a safe place to process your suffering because I feel like that's why grumbling happens is we're trying to process what we're going through, right? It's like we're looking, we're grasping for something and we're trying to process what's happening to us. And so we'll just grumble to whoever will listen to us because it's helpful in our, our process or we think it is, but it's a shortcut. We shortcut with gossip, but what else do we shortcut with? Maybe it's a misuse of alcohol or a misuse of food or it's overworking or whatever it is for you. It's different vices that keep us from what God is trying to do in our souls as we suffer. He's maturing us. Shortcuts that don't work out compared to what God wants to do in us. But the beauty of it is, we believe that God heals and will learn to suffer well. The only place you'll find the healing you so desire is in Christ alone. And the funny thing is we know that in the back of our heads, but often we just try and shortcut the path. It takes too long. And James challenges and changes us with his instruction to be patient, have a long fuse, be long-tempered, as you suffer, growing in your capacity to be wronged and not retaliate. Growing in your capacity. You know what? You can keep doing me wrong. I won't retaliate. Oh, what a, what a beautiful capacity to grow in. How many people know as you go through life, you're going to be wronged? So often, it's, people aren't going to be fair to you. Life isn't going to be fair to you. And it's like, as we're growing in our maturity of Christ, it's like, I can take that. And, and you, you watch as you go through things, it's like, oh, I don't have that temptation to get back at them like I used to. Oh, thank God I'm not as petty as I used to be. In Jesus' name, I'm thanking God for that every day. Man, I'm just thanking God of shedding the pettiness that I once had. It's maturity in Christ. I believe God wants to do that in us, growing our capacity to be wronged and not retaliate. You know, you're just as much like Jesus when you endure suffering as, when, as you are when you're loving. You're just as much like Jesus when you endure suffering as you are when you're loving. He loved more than anyone, but he suffered more than most. So let's look quickly at a model of how Jesus suffered to kind of give us an example of how we go through this, how we stay under, how we suffer well. Well, just an easy example is look at Jesus in the garden. He's clearly suffering. He is sweating drops of blood. And in that moment, What's he do? He goes there with his disciples, but he doesn't bring everyone into his sorrow and his trouble. He leaves some of them to pray and he takes three of them with him. 
What are he, what's he doing? He's finding a safe place to process. I know these three are the closest to me, Peter, James, and John. I'm gonna bring those guys in and I'm gonna process with them. And then he spent time alone with God. And when he spent time alone with God, he didn't filter his thoughts. And you don't have to do that with God either. You don't have to come to God like, oh Lord, I'm so holy. Thou art with me today. That's with God. I know you sent me here for this, but I don't want to do it. That was his posture to the father that day. And that can be yours today. Maybe that's the breakthrough that you need is you've been like brittling, like filtering your thoughts before God when you just need to come to him and say, I know what your word says, but I don't want to do this. Be with me here. And after that moment, he obeyed. And what's, what is the promise for us not taking? Sorry, what's the, yeah, what's, I wrote that wrong. Um, what's, what's God's promise for us through this whole thing? We consider those blessed who remained steadfast. That's what James says. We consider you blessed when you remain steadfast. We consider you happy when you remain steadfast. Where is it in your life that you need to remain under something? keep going. But you've been trying to sneak out and then you wonder why you're still immature, why you're not feeling the wholeness, the completeness and what you're looking for in Christ. 1 Peter 5 to 10 says, after you've suffered a little while. Doesn't say forever, but a little while is vague. Could be 10 minutes, could be 10 years. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, this is coming from the Holy Spirit, so a little while for him is, is, is you know, going to be different than what we think it is. But after you've suffered a little while, look at this promise, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And you've been trying to do it on your own, and that's God's job. Stop stealing his job from him. Maybe we aren't seeing the promises come to pass in our life because we keep shortcutting the suffering. It's too hard. After you've suffered a little while, not running when you face, face trials, but sticking with it. Keep on going. What will God do? He'll use it for his glory. That's what Romans 8, 28 says. It's gonna use, this is gonna glorify God one day. Whatever you're going through, stay under God will use it for his glory. Your life will be an example to those around you. And if you love God, he will give your suffering a, pur a purpose. This is, the, this is the beauty of serving Jesus, is that if you don't know God, your suffering is just suffering for the sake of suffering. But when we know and love Christ Jesus, we suffer with a purpose and we see the beauty of Jesus and the purpose in his life, in our life. We see God's promises through our suffering. And when the world just blames God, we get blessed by God. And then James gives us this reminder that I don't know about you, but I need so often how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And if you're going through something today, know that his promise in Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near 
to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. You don't have to go through this being far from God. He, he's near to you. But what happens is we put things in his place and we don't get to experience his nearness because we put something in the way of God. God's trying to come in to that suffering and we put things in his place. What have you chosen to be near in your suffering that God never intended to be with you in your suffering? Like, it's like this, he was trying to be in this place and you put the misuse of alcohol there instead or the misuse of food or pornography or sexual promiscuity or even Netflix, just allowing it to just numb your pain. There's nothing wrong. You want to watch Netflix? You know, you want to get some whatever Seinfeld reruns or whatever you're going to watch? Go for it now, here and there. But the problem comes in is when we, we use it to numb our brains so that we can't actually process what we're going through. What happens is we've forgotten God. But God has not forgotten you. He's near to you in your broken heart. His position towards you has not changed. He's still compassionate. He's still merciful. Job was given two times what he lost. And it says, God blessed his latter days more than his beginning. Our God is compassionate and merciful, no matter how big the suffering or how small the suffering. And as you go through it, he will make you mature, a full believer, complete in Christ. When you don't take the bad shortcuts, but you stay under and you suffer and you get that good shortcut to maturity in Christ. This is his opportunity to show himself compassionate and merciful. And James ends on this. He says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. He's like, when you're going through this stuff, don't just be patient, but with your words, force yourself to stay in this thing. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because when you suffer, you're tempted to change direction. Oh, this situation got hard. I gotta, I, I, you know what? I don't know if this job's for me. Oh, this marriage is getting difficult. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe it wasn't for me in the, in the first place. You're tempted to not let your yes be yes. You know, this, this whatever relationship, this friendship, all of a sudden this person wasn't the person that I, I, you know, I signed up to hang out with. I signed up to be friends with or as Christians always say, to do life with. I don't know why we always say that. I just love doing life with you. Like, what? Well, that's such a Christian thing to say. Um, you're tempted to mute posts and stories. Um, sorry. Um, sometimes you need to do these things, but most of the time, keep going so that Christ can mature you. And the enemy easily uses the immature. I think that when we shortcut our suffering, when we are immature, it's um, such an opportunity to, for the enemy to come in and use us in silly little ways. And we look back and go, oh, how did I let that happen? And like, we think like, oh, the enemy using you is like, you know, you becoming a psychic or something like that. Like, no, like the enemy can use you in silly little ways that are just unfortunate at times. Sometimes you need to bow out, but most of the time, let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
so that God can mature you. James is leading these believers to maturity by telling them, keep your word. God will not waste your pain. Keep going. Don't settle for less than a life of continuing to draw near him and experiencing his nearness every day. He's close to the brokenhearted. Allow room in your heart and your life for Christ to be formed in you, to be near you and to be formed in you. And as we allow his Holy Spirit to work in us, we become mature as believers. We move forward in our walk with God. We get closer to him. And so often we're spending so much time looking externally for someone to help us mature, somebody else to do it. But really the real work is in us. That it's something that has to change in us to decide, I want the maturity that James is talking about all through this book. And part of that is gonna have to be to go through some suffering, but not lose my faith and my hope in Christ. Could you stand this morning? You can just close your eyes right now. And just take a moment with God. Um, Everybody's gonna be at a different place here. Some of us might need to just confess some things. Some of us might need to invite the Holy Spirit in. And some of us um, might need a I don't know, we might just need a hard moment with God just to process some of this. But just take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you this morning. Part of this process will be practices that you need to start. And part of this process will be vices that you need to stop. And they often go hand in hand. Father, thank you for the work that your Holy Spirit is doing here today. Holy Spirit, we invite you in. We're so honored by your presence in our lives. We've forgotten it at times. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Continue to work in us. Thank you for being with us.
We love you, God. Thank you for sending your spirit. Even better than your son, we have the spirit indwelling within us, and we forget that at times. Before we close this service, some of you might need to make a decision for Jesus today. It says in his his word that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Some have done that and have wandered away and kind of lived your own way and you're here today because you want to come back home or you're watching online because you want to come back home and, and some people might need to pray this for the first time that the faith has developed within you. You do believe in your heart and now today is the day to confess with your mouth. Here's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to pray with you in agreement and as we pray with you, we're saying we are dedicated as a church to be with you in your journey with Christ. So would everyone repeat after me in agreement with those praying today? Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross for me. I believe that you're my Lord and God raised you from the dead. And from now on, I live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.